Right. Okay. Well, that's close enough. No respect. Okay. No res- Four years of no respect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> So hey everybody, welcome to episode 207 of the More Than Just Code podcast. This is our fourth anniversary. Woo! <laughs> more, more excitement. Woo! Woo! <laughs> All right, yeah. okay. Yeah. So my name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, as usual, for the fourth anniversary. And uh, I'm also joined on the line by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin for the fourth anniversary in San Jose, California. Hello. And I guess not quite the fourth anniversary of Greg Heath as our special guest, but at least not in San Francisco, but Greg's in San Francisco. Hello, from San Francisco. <laughs> Greetings from San Francisco. Hey now. From Sector Zero, right? <laughs> this is the center <laughs> of the universe, it's true. That's right. Alrighty, so uh, yeah, so welcome to our first an- fourth anniversary. We were just talking before the show that we actually remembered that this is our anniversary episode, so congratulations to us, as Army said, third time's the charm. Well done, everybody. All around. Mm-hmm. Alrighty then. Alright, so, um, Hame, do we have any Ask MTJC? We do. Let me see here. Wait, one of these is from, from us? Oh, re- more real-time follow-up from at MTJC underscore podcast, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, flick the so- sound icon on the touch bar to change the volume or screen brightness. And it looks a like a video. There. Is it a video? I don't know. It came through on my was side it? really weird. Oh, I see. Tw- the- Twitter's changed. Okay, so it, it's flicking me out. Yeah, there we go. So you see a nice little video on YouTube on uh, and how this works. So we've described on the show... A few times on how the touch bar and volume and brightness stuff works and the the pro tip of being able to flick the change but wait there's more because i wasn't completely 100 percent correct the tim made a video of himself demonstrating this and i was uh proverbially yelling into the computer saying no that's so close and yet so far so tim had pushed the button to activate the slider and then he was doing the flick left and right to move it up and down one step and i said that no 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 you don't even need to push the button you just write on the normal touch bar just flick left and right on the volume button itself and that's the same thing and so i think tim did a follow-up video to demonstrate that too so and i commented that this is the kind of thing that's very difficult to describe in both audio and written media so if you are curious how to use the touch bar for um great volume control then check out the video that we will link and i realize that the tweets we have in here aren't quite the updated ones so you have one more video after this one i think i'll go find that one and post it into yeah yeah because i think that that um uh kyle lee also pointed out that was the first thing he tried on his new touch bar, which I guess he discovered by accident or on purpose or whatever. Hmm. And Swifty McSwiftface, <laughs> Mr. Swifty McSwiftface, uh, also tweeted that uh, he then and he actually posted a picture of the on-screen uh, flicking, I guess, the actual speaker I- image itself. But yeah, Greg Greg was right. I went back and, and made another video. You know, I had to sneak off into a room at, at the office and where people weren't talking and <laughs> outside the vault, video. away from all the huh? gold. Yeah, yeah. Away from Green Goat's vault, that's for sure. Yep, so there you go. Uh, for those of you driving at home, you can have some videos to, when you park your car, you can watch the videos and uh, see how the flicky witness works. Um, so, Greg, do you have a Touch Bar Mac now, or do you just knew about it? Uh, my work Mac is a Touch Bar Mac. At home, I oh, still I have the, okay. the 2015 15-inch MacBook Pro that I'm going to keep forever, but uh, I have a Touch Bar work. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm dying to get myself a, a, a Touch ID, or uh, yeah, Touch ID uh, Mac, but uh, unfortunately, I, I bought a base a couple of weeks ago, so I'm kind of I'm kind of stymied out of being able to do that for a while. 
Anyway, all right. So, and then some uh, follow-up items here. We have one from Alan J. Edmonds, and in, in, he's following up based on uh, he was listening to episode two hundred five, and he had sold most of his developer, sold most of his old develop Apple developer CDs, but he still got this one. He said, and, um, and didn't, there's no picture of it though. Hmm. Um, and he says he does remember names like Silence of the Roms and Desperately Seeking Seven, and so on and so forth. When around when System Seven was due, well, that's a long time ago. I remember when System Seven came out. That would have been nineteen. 1990, I think? No, 91. Because I was in Barcelona when I got my copy of System 7. System 7? No, it was, a lot, it was later than that. No, no, when the beta came out. So I got I got the beta in 91. I went to Barcelona and Apple was doing the timekeeping for the Olympics. We were doing a bid for the Olympics in 92. And mm-hmm. uh, the uh, nice Apple rep there gave me, on my, my Dynatech SideQuest drive, gave me a copy of System 7, which I brought back to Toronto and actually poured okay. credit and played around with it. Yep. Initial release was May 91 for System 7. When did you say this was, Tim? That you got your beta? Well, we were in... When were we in Barcelona? So it was... It had to be... The official release was was in in May? May of 91, it says, yes. Really? Okay, yeah, yeah. So we... Yeah, it would have to have been early 91, I think. I can't remember when we went, what time of year, but it was a full year before the Olympics, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it was Spain, so who knows? It's like nice weather in Spain, what can I say? Right, it's very Mediterranean, as it were. Anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, to follow up on the Apple developer CDs. So Jaime, do you have something for us and follow up? Yes, yeah, so we've been talking a little bit about the um, upcoming iPhones that we suspect, you know, based on all the rumors and everything. But I think in this case, we have some pretty good idea given um, we're linking here to a Verge article talking about a uh, supposed leak of the li- larger iPhone 10 Plus, uh, which is seemingly confirmed by some glyphs that are in the iOS 12 beta. Um, if you actually click through that Verge article to Guillermo Rambo's Twitter um, post, it's actually kind of interesting. So he shows, like, here's what the iPhone 10 icon looks like. And then you see something that kind of looks like that, but it's noticeably shaped differently in terms of, you know, if we took a look at just like the aspect ratio of an iPhone 10 looking device, so seemingly confirming the rough shape and size of the iPhone 10 Plus. And then uh, at the time, what was considered a really weird uh, iPad Pro that's square and looks almost like a giant Apple Watch, uh, folks in the Twitter stream were saying like, well, maybe that's to be used, you know, with insets so you can scale it in whatever direction you want and, and sizing. Uh, uh, which would make an Apple Watch sense. I mean, it, it could be an Apple Watch, but it's missing the, I mean, either the little, you know, button thingy that's coming off the side is either the you know, digital, the digital crown. crown or yeah. it is the, um, I forget what they call that secondary button. Does anybody remember? Yeah. The other button? I don't know. The other button, the <laughs> Apple Pay button. It used button. to be the social button. The power I don't button? know what they call it now. Yeah. Right. But it, it does seemingly confirm that we're going to get a, you know, almost edge to edge, almost bezel-less iPad Pro and that we will have an iPhone 10 plus that is basically the same sort of look, but just bigger. But isn't it the iPhone 11 or XI or something? 11, I guess that's XI, right? Yeah. We don't know. iPhone 10 series two. So would this, would this apply a square aspect ratio iPad? That's what people yeah, are wondering what... about if, if it does, or if it's more that it's meant to be. So sort of a side rumor is that the iPhone, sorry, the iPad pros face ID will be something that you can use in landscape in addition to portrait mode. So oh. the thought here, is that, oh, if they have their asset here where they can scale it in just about any direction they want, then they can show, oh, here's what it looks like in landscape. Here's what it looks like in portrait mode. Um, it's still a little unclear why that one would be built that way versus th- these other ones that are not. So I don't have a good answer to that. Maybe, maybe it will be 
a square, the mm. iCube, six-sided. <laughs> six-sided <laughs> iPhone. How else are you going to binge all that the wonderful Dungeons content Dragons at once? edition, yeah. The hexapad. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, the next item we have here is, uh, 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 it was on the Sunday edition, which is a Sunday show, a magazine-type show we have on CBC Radio. Uh, it was a piece called Shipocalypse, which was uh, talking about how online shipping is changing our lives. We were ta- And this is follow-up for us, because we were talking about, I think in the after shows, we were talking about Prime Now, uh, which is a service in the United States that gives you can get things, certain things, delivered to your to your home in uh, two hours uh, if you pay the extra extra money on the top of your Prime account. And Prime now apparently is coming to Canada in a couple of months or so they say. But there's an interesting um, uh, radio essay basically on the history of shipping goods. You know, people buying things, people shopping, you know, going to the department stores and they would deliver things to your home for free. And now, you know, with the advent of things like Amazon, we've got uh, everybody's gotten used to the idea of just ordering things from the comfort of your um, iOS device or Android device and having it delivered to your home, you know, in now apparently in two hours or, or so, right? So um, that's it's interesting. Uh, listen, um, it's uh, there's a bit of text at the beginning of the article that I've got linked here, but it's mostly a, a radio show or a broadcast kind of broadcast uh, of this uh, interesting talk about um, shipping and how shipping is changing. So I recommend people driving at home have a listen to that one. Moving on. So you got another one there, Jaime? for uh, our Android people? Yeah, seeing how the other half lives. Android has finally come out with its finalized name of the release. It's been known as Android P for the most recent version. Now it is introduced as Android 9 Pi. So Pi Pi being the the P representation of some sort of uh, delicious treat. If you go to their blog, it apparently is intended to be an apple pie. That's Sorry, sorry, a cherry pie. That's how I read that. (laughs) Or an in-slip there. Whoops. Yeah, maybe I wanted to be an apple pie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, slightly interesting in terms of like, are they trying to avoid having to come up with a you know some sort of dessert like uh, like a sweet dessert, not a not a savory sort of dish that comes with the letter Q? It would be somewhat difficult to do unless you do like another branding situation like they did with Oreo and Kit Kat, mm. um, because they introduce the thing that they haven't had. So it's normally you know uh, Android lollipop, Android marshmallow. Um, in this case, it's Android, Android quinoa, <laughs> quinoa. <laughs> like quinoa with, with like sweet quinoa or Android quiche. I don't think there's sweet quiches as far oh, as I quiche. know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but Android 9 Pie makes me think that maybe this might be one of the last ones that has the dessert and then it'll just be Android 10 or Android X. Maybe we Ooh. can. <laughs> I really hope it's Android X. <laughs> it will give me so much pleasure to call it Android X, especially because they've Wait, already got would be Android 10. Right. With an X, you know, <laughs> Roman numeral 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. I already have fun with uh, some of the Android folks at work because um, Android 9 Pi, if I'm not mistaken, officially supports only, he says in scare quotes, only up to two notches, which is kind of a horrifying thought. So wait, two notches? I mean, the way that you're supposed to say it, are you saying is Android 9 Pi? You have to say them all? You can't just say Android Pi or Android 9? You have to say Android 9 Pi? Is that what you're saying? The official naming is? I'm not sure because in... In this article, they say, we're ready to launch Android 9 Pi. And then they quickly, like in the next sentence, say, and it, of course, it's like in the next paragraph, uh, Android 9 harnesses the power of machine learning, so on and so forth. And okay. the rest I, of the article, I guess I'm not familiar enough. Android How 9. do they usually do it? Is this abnormal or do they always say Android and then the number and then the name of a tasty dessert? Usually it's just usually it's just the name of a dessert. Right. And like, it's like 4.3 or whatever they say. Yeah. But usually yeah, they, they say, oh, are you on Android. Jelly Bean or are you on Lollipop? But do they actually say Android 
nine pi. I don't know. You you just brought it up. I'm just curious. You know what about they don't really not like we thing. do. Like where we say X, you know iOS nine or iOS twelve. You know they don't they say Android and then and because well, I often have to say to them in meetings like okay what version are we supporting and they'll go oh, four point three or five or whatever. Mm, okay. They don't call it by their by the the cutesy name. Oh okay. At least up here anyway. What do you think, Hami? Well, I think I'm pretty close to here because I did uh, a little find on the word Pi on this blog post, and it only shows up twice in the title, mm-hmm. introducing Android 9 Pi, and in the first sentence slash paragraph. So I, I think, you know, I think for next year, it will be something like Android 10. Mm. Okay. I saw some interesting retweet re- um, responses to the name Pi, but I can't remember where they went. Or was that just us in the Slack? I can't remember. What we seen I was, <laughs> in our Slack, I was raising the, especially because they chose a cherry pie. Yeah. I'm like, is is this just like a really crude warrant joke? So Ward being the band that did <laughs> you know, She's My Cherry Pie, only semi-safe for work. People may not get it too much. It's it's still mm. a little raunchy for 2018, you know, depending where you work, I think. But That's true, yeah. It was probably more so in 1980-something, whenever that came out. True. All right. Tim, it sounds like you have to do an Android version of your Pi Day. <laughs> only supporting Android 9 Pi, though. No previous versions. Only, yeah. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah or maybe. Maybe not. All right. Okay. So what else you got for us, Jaime, in the main topic area there? Continuing with people poking around in iOS 12 betas and uh, looking for iPad and iPhone information, uh, iOS 12 beta 5 hints at rounded corners for this year's iPad Pro. So that would be on the inside, not on the outside, not a rounded rect as we know to come and love, but on the inside, very similar to if you have an iPhone 10 handy or if you're looking at a screenshot of one, you know, that rounding that right. happens on the corner right around where, you know, that's say like the signal indicator clock indicator is or where your um what's on the other side actually i look at this every day and I, oh uh, your provider your provider's on the other side so if you take a look at that um there's a j3 double x affordance corners that ping that people are like hmm what does this do and they fired oh. up some stuff and said oh look rounded corners and that would actually make a lot of sense if they're trying to go with that same you know close to bezel-less design as, as they have on the iphone 10 and use that same design language on the ipad pro so if you haven't upgraded to to use safe area, um, you probably should very much consider that because I'm almost certain that will be something that uh, people will be interested in. Yeah, so the curve on, on this mock-up they've got on this screenshot, um, the curve of the metal looks like, it reminds me of the, of the original, the first iPad. The first iPad had very round corners, didn't it? Like the actual case, even though it was a square um, a monitor. Do you remember? Mm, I th- I think it was very, very, very square monitor, but then... I'm looking at my yeah. Apple my Apple display that I'm looking at right now, you know, that I got on my Mac, and it's got round corners, same as as you have on the MacBook corners. You know how they're they're sort of very roundish, not pointy-ish. Whereas my iPad Pro, you know, has a much less um, curvy corner. So it'll be interesting. I mean, like from a design point of view, if they have rounded corners in the actual display itself, um, as this mock-up here implies, it, it kind of um, mirrors the the curvature, right? As you know, with the quarter-inch spacing that they've got on the bezel on this on this uh, mock-up on the nine to five article. I'm talking about right by Guillermo, Guillermo Guillermo Rambo. How do you say that name? So I knew. So I, I think he is from Brazil or Portugal or something. I think he speaks Portuguese. So given the similarity in his first name to 
uh, the Spanish name Guillermo. I assume it's like Guillermo or similar. I'm going to pronounce his last name as Rambo because that's awesome. I mean, just say the name like five minutes ago. You can just uh, grab that clip. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you? Or am I imagining? Didn't you just say it like recently? I I, I did. It was his his tweet about the iPhone 10 Plus. That's right. Yes. But it's also spelled like Hermé, like, you know, um, like in the scarf, the people who make the scarves and the the fancy uh, watch uh, straps. So maybe it's Guillermo. Who knows? He knows. We can tweet him. We should tweet him and ask him for a recording of how he says his name. I'm sure he gets that question a lot. <laughs> uh huh. All right. So let's move on to the next item here. Oh, this is me. This, I thought this was this was a perfect one for somebody like Greg. Um, an infographic that I just stumbled across. I forget. I think maybe on LinkedIn, um, which talks about the top. I think it's the top five apps worldwide. So like you know Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, all the way down to the United United Kingdom and the United States in terms of what are the the top five apps on I guess on the app store. Is that what this is? Mm. Um, yeah, interesting that Canada's number one app is Dunk Line, which apparently is a basketball game, which I've never heard of. PC Optimum is is our uh, our sort of no frills um, grocer. Instagram is number three. Messenger by fit, by Facebook is uh, number four. And Bitmoji, which is the uh, the company in Toronto that makes the app that uh, people are using to make uh, you know emojis of themselves for um, uh, Snapchat, right? And other things, I guess, too, right? Um, but that's I think they were. They, I think one of the people there came to NS North back in 2014, no, 2016, I think, right? But and then you know, down in the states, it looks like Messenger, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube. Boring, you guys. <laughs> that is kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite, I think, might be Germany, where the top two are apps from McDonald's of all things. <laughs> number one, McDonald's Deutsche. Get number two, McDonald's coupons. Apparently, so uh, that's an interesting, nice. yeah, interesting selection there. Yes, I love this because it combines two of my favorite things, infographics and maps. Yeah. I, so, anyway, I went to, uh, I stayed in Cologne once during 95, I think. And, uh, yeah, there was a McDonald's there and I refused to go to it. <laughs> I looked at, I looked inside a couple of times, but I refused to go inside because, like, why would I want American food if I'm in Germany, right? Mind you, they did serve beer in the McDonald's, which was kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same thing when I went to France about 20 years ago. The family I was staying with, they kept saying, hey, you want to go to McDonald's? And McDonald's no. just opened. I'm like, yeah. no. I don't want to go to Yeah, McDonald's. in Paris there was Burger King and there was also and, and the Starbucks were always packed. Like I couldn't figure it out. Like you're in Paris, man. Well it is a novelty. Go get a real I guess. Maybe if you're like a Parisian, it's a novelty. Yeah. Oh, who knows? No, it's full of like English speaking people. Oh so. well people like their comfort foods too, you know. Some people they don't like I to venture guess. out. I mean, you know. At least they went to another country. Anyway, they got so a back- passport they visited, so you gotta give them some credit. It's interesting here how many countries WhatsApp is the number one app, eh? Yeah. Also this dunk line seems to be pretty popular everywhere except the US. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> confused because I feel like yeah, there's some sort of scam of going on here because all right you say Canada dunk line is like a basketball game is number one a basketball yeah. game not yeah. hockey okay all right maybe, maybe they you know, sampled this data on the week that dunk line just came out I don't even I've never heard of this so I don't know but maybe, I feel yeah, like maybe it's like bad sampling or something like that yeah yeah, yeah 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 and you see things that are like less suspicious like Israel number two I'm like all right all right you know Israel's got a, a pretty good national team and then you say mm-hmm, let me take let me take a look around mm-hmm. Iceland is yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like, Iceland. Mm, that's yeah. a little weird. And then you go to Australia, number four. I'm like, no, 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 no. And and baseball boy, I'm like, really? Like, wait, there's no rugby. There's no Australian rules football. Uh, there are plenty of other things. Like, there's something suspicious here. But I feel like maybe now I should go download this game and see well, what see, it, it works. Is. This whole article was sponsored by Dunkline, I'll 
that if you read the fine print or something. <laughs> yeah. It is a little weird. I feel like it, it might be but like, you know, you know, like if you if you got the stats from a certain week, you could say like Flappy Bird is like number one and number two all around the world. Like if you just happen to pick that week, I feel like that might be something that was cool. That's what's uh, what's going on here. So here's a question I have, though. If you look, go back up to the map there where they've got the colors for the different uh, different representations of the apps and stuff like that. But I, what, what's interesting to me is how many countries are just gray, like most of Africa, except for Egypt and South South America, very large swaths of South America, except for Brazil, all of Greenland, and a whole bunch of islands in, in the Pacific. They're all gray. Like Korea, for instance, is, is all gray. There's no stats. Is that There's no stats there, or there's no apps? There's no, nothing in New Zealand either. So I think they just picked 25 countries. They just picked 25 countries. Yeah, it's just 25 oh, countries. Oh, is that what they it is? Oh, okay. Top 25 or the, the ones they had data for or whatever. Yeah, like there's definitely an app store in those places. They just why is there the, why are those other ones missing? Uh, maybe they're just they're just not important countries. They're, I think this company who put this map together just picked 25 countries. Well, what's interesting though, the color coding of the map up there is is what's the most popular thing. So they're saying that in Canada, which is all yellow, it's it's games. It's That's just because Dunkline. I think it's the number one. What's the number it's one? Just Dunkline. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're color coding. So Australia music apps are number one. China is social apps, which is surprising. USA is 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 um, also social apps. Which is not true. Business because and Australia's number Russia. one is Instagram. So why I'm not sure why they colored it pink. This is this this is not a very well done uh, gr- graphic. I think I don't quite understand how they decided what color to color code the countries. I don't know. Well, there is so an article. I, I think can... I understand the country. So the countries are showing like what's the category as a whole that has the most. Yeah. Yeah. is the way mm. of understanding. And then not just they the have top, top five. five. Okay. Yeah, got it, got it. But another, you know, as long as we're diving into weird things here in the data. So France, number two, knife hit. Okay. <laughs> and then let's go over to Japan, number one, knives out. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> what what is happening there? What is that's really weird. Netherlands also has knife fit number five. What is wrong with these people? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. weird. The data, some some of the data seems a little a little suspect. And the UK, wow, they should have loved their games there. But um, I guess the US one is the most unsurprising, right? Messenger, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube. It's all like social stuff and videos. YouTube, which yeah. people love. Yeah. So I can believe it. Yeah, it's all Facebook yeah. and Google, right? We we really have no idea how credible a source this is. They could be making all this up. <laughs> Again, I swear it's the <laughs> Marketing company behind Dunkline and Knives Out, I'll bet, is uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice hit. Yeah. No, according it says this is uh, insights from mobile data from App Annie. So ah, App Annie, they're still around. And App Annie, yeah. So App Annie's the well, it worked because they're going to get five downloads. They're going to get at least four downloads for uh, Dunkline now. So it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh, our- Iceland has Fight List Two, not Fight List One. Fight List Two. Yeah. At number five. It's a lot of right, well, the next the article today. is a, yeah. the next article we have here in our show notes is a little yeah. weird. Um, we can decide to talk about it or not, but I don't know if you guys read it or not. But according to Steve Jobs' daughter, the last thing he said to her was, "You smell like a toilet." Uh, I read that. Yeah, where was that? Yeah, I did read that. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, to be a little bit fair, in the article I read, he was referring to not the obvious smell from a toilet, but like um, the perfume that people use around a toilet. Oh, I see. Yeah. 
I read a different. I read the actual excerpt from her book, and oh, yeah, she went and? to the. Yeah. yeah, it's not this article. I, I I forget where. It's like I don't know some other. Anyway, I'll find it. Um, and they printed an excerpt, and she went to the bathroom. Um, it's uh, yeah, I think she's a writer. Is she from what I remember? Anyway, yeah, she's yeah, very good. Yeah. I think she's a writer. Yeah. So she was writing this thing about how she was like taking every time she went to visit, she would like take something, and she was like trying to avoid right. uh Steve Jobs's wife and her uh, step siblings because she's like she always wants like take stuff, and so she went to the bathroom and she found some perfume or something she sprayed it on herself and i don't know she took it or she took something oh. and she went to give him a hug to say bye and he said you smell like a toilet so she, i think he meant mm. that not uh, <laughs> yeah as you say not the uh, not the obvious thing right right yeah. uh, anyway yeah to, apparently uh, she's, uh, she's writing a book i'll put a, I'll put a post it's the yeah, she, there's a link to it um in this article but i'll put a link to the excerpt here yeah apparently her memoir is coming out and re- talking about her relationship with her father and stuff like that right is that what it's about yeah i think lisa, next lisa month brennan jobs like september october or something yeah. like that i think the full thing will be out yeah yeah the famous girl that's named lisa all right um next is what Hame. yeah this is one um about tsmc so taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company who is a supplier for many companies but one of them is apple and uh, apparently their manufacturing facilities were um down for how long a couple days i think because of the WannaCry worm that got into their production lines um the quote here from from them is that uh, this virus outbreak occurred due to misoperation during the software installation process for a new tool which caused a virus to spread once the tool was connected to the company's computer network yeah interesting yeah um I mean, that's that's a ton of money because, you know, those lines aren't cheap. And nobody really knows what sort of impact this will have. You know, obviously everybody jumps towards like, whoa, what does this mean for, you know, like iPhone production since right. presumably that's ramping up now in anticipation of a fall release. So is this like a virusy virus or is this like Stuxnet? What are we talking here? I thought WannaCry was like a worm, even though they called it a virus in their own quote. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't like targeted to hit only semiconductor manufacturing in Taiwan in one particular plant like Stuxnet. This is just like a general purpose worm slash virus that was just like any any computer could have gotten this? I guess. I mean, it, there's not a lot of information here uh, from within the company itself. And it, so let's try to read the tea leaves here and say that, all right, misoperation during the software installation process. So presumably there's just some sort of software that you go and install on these production tools. I'm going to assume well, somebody put like a USB drive or something that they had, you know, brought from home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And did something really dumb there, and that's probably the misoperation they're talking about. So, uh, so wasn't WannaCry the, the the virus or the the malworm or whatever that that disabled hospitals last year and things like that? Is that the same virus? In fact, it same? is. The, I'm looking here. The very next paragraph here says WannaCry was significant because it temporarily halted critical operations at hospitals, shipping right, companies, yeah. and so on. And and that's that Stuxnet thing you were talking about. I think that's a story that I told a couple of three or four episodes ago, Greg, about the the one that's, that that. Um, uh, attacked centrifuges at, in some uh, nuclear weapons manufacturing location in Iraq, I think, or Iran? It was Iran, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right. yeah. That was a very targeted... Uh, so you're saying this, this isn't this necessarily targeted. But this is the... the, the, um, the I don't know if you guys ever read uh, Steve uh, Neil Stevenson's book, Reemdy, where basically it was sort of uh, ransomware run rampant, right? And that was a work of fiction <laughs> two years ago that has now become reality, right? That uh, people are having to pay a lot of money to get un- released from these things. Pay out in Bitcoin. Yeah, and it was uh, Atlanta's government systems, I forget what exactly was involved, was hit by something similar to that, and I think they're still recovering. Still recovering from that, you know, many months later. Yeah, I later. recall we had some hospitals here. You were just here, in like, Atlanta too, weren't you, Jaime? Suspicious. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, Atlanta. In all fairness, I was there after they were dealing with the after effects, so... Mm, 
All right. And Mark and Mark did did tour a, a, a manufacturing facility in in um, J- Japan, China. Where were you, Mark? Uh, both Japan and uh, Korea. See, see, was, interesting. Know, back now. <laughs> interesting. That's a long. Time All ago. these guys from MTJC. I don't know. Is it, there's some suspicious stuff here happening? Hmm. Hmm. We'll just leave you for that. Leave you, for those of you driving at home. You can ponder that significance there. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's hoping we have iPhones in the fall. Um, so I guess, well, before we get to our picks, should we talk about four years of more than just code and Woo-hoo. what that means and stuff? What does it mean, Tim? What were you doing four years ago? Uh, it means I'm really effing tired of editing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what have I, well, it's kind of, I still remember, I still remember like three or four episodes in going, what have I done? <laughs> Because, like, it's basically been, you know, my Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are, like, just dedicated to getting this thing done, right? So, Have you gotten faster at editing, Tim? Or has it been, like, a... What would the graph of editing time over time look like? Um, more efficient. I think more efficient. It's, you know, it's still the same. Well, it's, I mean, there's a lot less... Now it's a lot more, more like, a streamlined because now we have a much more reliable editing pro- or recording mm-hmm. process. Um, Zoom really helps with the syncing and things like that. Um, we get much more even uh, recording uh, if we have to use like an online online person. So when Spock cast Jonathan, we take him right off the feed and we do the same thing for Mark. Um, so it's actually it's actually pretty good. And um, so I don't know, it's still uh, if I look at, like, I can open up my, my time reporting software here. Hang on one second. Because um, I do keep track more or less of, of each episode, or each uh, one. So let me go by month and then I'll just look at podcasts. Um, yeah, so on average, yeah. Um, hours per day is a rough, couple of hours a day, but it's spread, it's it's concentrated into those three days. Like I said, it's usually like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, so between thirty and forty hours a month is what it takes me to do the work. And that includes Tim, recording. What were you What were you doing four years ago, and why did you want to start a podcast? <sighs> What was I doing for? Well, Mark and I were talking about writing a book, right? Mm. Um, we were thinking. That's right. We never did well, that. Well, this is this is the book, Mark. <laughs> yeah, if you got the <laughs> okay. transcript for MTJC 200 episodes, you would have you know probably multiple volumes. Yeah. So, Tim, can you do that? Can you get all the transcripts <laughs> sure. and edit them down? Sure. And we'll, yeah. And put out a because it sounds like you have a lot of free time. Well, be, yeah. Well, I've got Monday <laughs> and Tuesday, of course, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Monday and Tuesday evening. Let's let's qualify that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, that is something I've thought about doing, but. I, I kind of wonder, like, you know, I think I think we'd have to call a lot of the stuff out of it to do that. But yeah, that would be kind of cool, cool, cool sort of thing to see how, how the history of what we talked about has changed over the last, you know, four years. Like we started, I think we started right at the beginning of Indie, uh, um, what was it called? Indie Apocalypse, right? Mm. The, uh, I wasn't sure if Marin, to- Marin that, uh, coined that phrase or... I don't know if he coined it, it but, from, but that, that was, was the beginning. Yeah, because that was 360 iDev 2015. That was the last time I was there. And if you guys started in 2014, yeah, so think around around that time. When, yeah, we started and I think, you know, people were starting to leave um, the indie life and, and going and getting day jobs. There was a lot of blog posts about that. And uh, and I think Mark and I had kind of noticed the the race to the bottom had sort of like taken taken the fun out of yep. app development for us, at least anyway, right? Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, yeah. so, and, and over time, that's sort of where we were, I think, what, four years ago, what we had been like... Um, we, we used to talk a lot about the other app store. Yeah, yeah, that used to come up a lot. And, the and there's... 
Yeah, there was a, there was a suspicion that there was a difference between how some companies are treated over other. But that that's always been the, the suspicion I think for a lot of us is that some companies just get featured other over over others. But that said, though, we've also we've also gone through and, and experienced some you know people who have now become our friends have some success like um, uh, the people over at Flixel who do the Cinemagraph Pro. Um, I think Greg, you know them as well, right? Mark and mm-hmm. and Carl. I saw from, Mark um, at WWDC this year. Just ran into him. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, Ryan, of course. And they're Mac OS developers mostly, and they won an Apple Design Award for their software, and uh, and they're doing quite well. Um, and there was also Ryan McLeod from Black Black Box, which I kind of discovered and by accident one day, and then I think we all just started talking about it, and it became, then it became the official game of um, more than just code and roundabout creative chaos. So mm. leading I, to I their ABAs, of course, right? to the MTJC. The MTJC bump. Actually. Yeah, we don't talk much about that, but yeah. it, when, whenever we have like a pick, it seems to you know at least in at least in one case it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough, though. We got somebody an Apple Design Award, right? That's that should be enough. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, according to uh, Jaime's spreadsheet you know, type technology, this this is probably pretty good having one success, right? It's a lot of points, I think. Uh, Tim, yeah. you were like independent four years ago, is that right? I was, yeah. So, well, I was just coming off. Let's see, 2014 was I was still, I guess, reasonably successful as an iOS as an iOS developer. Um, I had a couple of customers that didn't help um, with the transition that I had to had to go and look for work <laughs> um let's just say um yeah so and and, it, and it, i think that the the reality of like i was trying to promote you know app development to people and it's, it's funny it irks me now because i hear people talking about oh you need an app for your business which is what i was saying four years ago to to my clients and they were like what's an app you know so and yeah and and of course when we did all the all the uh, trade shows and stuff and we, we i think we went to a couple of i mean initially like so so 360 idev is coming out and and just congratulations to john but th- just before the show started I believe today uh, they sold the last ticket for 360 iDev. So if you yes. want to go, there's a waiting list. But what I wanted to point out is that 360 iDev was also the genesis of More Than Just Code because that's where Jaime and I met in Littleton, Colorado. And I remember Jaime saying at the time that, um, you know, at that time we were we were the, in the fifth year of, you know, what he considered or he had heard somewhere it was a 10-year cycle of, of, you know, new development and that kind of stuff. Um, so the iPhone or the iOS was at the fifth year. And so we were like, what we're we gonna do now? So that was one of the reasons why I picked Jaime to to be uh, a co-host on the show. So. so what were you doing four years ago, Jaime? Four years ago, uh, coming off a three x sixty IDEV for sure, because I think I have the little uh, patch from twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. And uh, let's see, I was probably the sole iOS engineer still over at uh, over at OfferUp, and they were much smaller in, in every shape of the word. You know, number of users smaller, amount of money smaller, number of uh, engineers and just employees and general smaller. Um, so I've been on this show as always uh, an employee rather than indie. So I had sort of a slightly different sort of skin in the game perspective than uh, other folks. And Did I tell you there's offer up listings in Toronto now, Jaime? I'm a little surprised for that because <laughs> I, I don't think they support um, anything outside of the U.S. They don't, but they're, but like I said, I, th- I think I think people just, you know, naturally gravitated towards it. So and it's there are listings in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. They're, they seem to be doing pretty well from what I understand. And, and you know, looking back now i'm like wow it's it's been quite a change i think this this podcast for me has uh given me not only a uh, a platform to sort of express myself in a in like a freedom of speech sort of way but also in sort of a creative sort of way and i i know for a fact it, it definitely helped me get one job and and probably helped with another so it's it's been um 
fruitful in many ways. I've certainly, you know, uh, met tons of folks or, or chatted with tons of folks. Obviously, the people on this very show that were chatting now and Tammy, who, who uh, couldn't make it today. Um, and it's also given me some opportunity to practice in sort of a public speech sort of way. And so that has also led to speaking at various conferences, which is something I'm enjoying now. And I don't think I would have done it before had I not had um, some time with the podcast. So if people ask me, oh, how do you get good at doing conference talks? Like, well, let me tell you, first, <laughs> do a podcast for four years <laughs> and then start thinking about doing conference presentations. So I think that's probably probably it for me. Yeah, I think you had said, too, in a previous episode or when we were talking about this before that um, we talk about things that you wouldn't have gone and looked into in the past. And I think I, I can say the same thing. Like, I would never have known all this stuff. I mean, I, I'm interested in integrated circuits, but I never would have known about the various manufacturing processes and what a mask is. And all. In fact, I still don't know what a mask is. Maybe Mark can explain that when he gets <laughs> talking in a minute. Jim, you actually do know what a mask oh, is. Oh, do I? Okay. Because you've done lithography. Oh, okay. So is that that's the thing that you, you, you make the mask and then you use the light thing to expose it to create the the pattern on the circuit? Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, You're right. I do so, know what that is. Yeah. So for anyone else who's interested, uh, a lot of semiconductor manufacturing is done on wafers, which are very thin, flat, uh, round pieces of, of silicon usually, but could be other materials. And uh, all the transistors and other devices are laid out as patterns on top of that. And it's using a technique called optical lithography, where where uh, there's a thing called a mask, which is ex- exactly as it sounds. It's just a piece of glass, typically, with, with dark areas and light areas. And uh, you coat the surface of the wafer with something called photoresist, and then expose it to light through the mask. And anywhere where the light can get through, it changes the chemistry of the photoresist a little bit. So then when you rinse it with, with certain solvents, the, the stuff that was exposed comes off and leaves behind the rest of the stuff. And then so you have little areas of the of the wafer that are that are open and you can do things like implant ions or oxidize the material to to build your devices. So I don't even remember Mark, but you know we, we always talk about the old coding books where you, had, you used to have to copy the code out line by line by hand and hope there wasn't a typo. But I remember electronic books that had masks there and you could basically use like a marker on a piece of uh, acetate or oh yeah, and yeah. Trace doing circuit boards. Make- yeah, you'd use a you'd use a sharp, uh, basically a sharpie kind of marker uh, on this on this um, uh, copper clad board, and then uh, the the uh, the marker would act similarly to the to the way the uh, photoresist work. So anywhere where you didn't have a marker, you'd etch it in a chemical. The marker would would actually protect the copper from being etched away, and wherever you didn't have the marker, it would get it would etch away, and you'd be able to draw like metal lines on a Circuit. Sure, and then you would pin, then you would like drill your holes and put your resistors yep. and your capacitors and stuff in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. did that back in shop. Man, I haven't done that, that kind of thing since high yeah, school. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> been a long time. So, I, so yep. I guess Greg can ask you a question. Like, what were you doing four years ago, and and what's happened to you since you joined this show? What the hell has happened to you, Mark? That's what Tim wants to know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, so four years ago, I had I had kind of wound down my indie 
shop. I mean, it's still around. Snapsoft, it's still around. I still use email, uh, as y'all know, and and my uh, my well used Twitter account. Uh, so, I, but I I kind of wound down. I wasn't doing that full time. And I had, uh, as of 2014, I had just finished working at my second startup. So I had done Relive, which was the uh, photo sharing app that got scooped by Apple Photos and Google Photos, uh, and uh, and then Eroder, which was the social networking for college students. So I just finished that one and uh, was just about to, maybe a month or two after we started doing this, I started doing the uh, the long-term consulting gig for Evite down in, down in LA, which ended up being like a year and a half. So yeah, so I was transitioning out of the out of the indie world into the into the startup world at that time. Or I guess I had already transitioned. So how about you, Greg? What were you doing four years ago? Well, because you joined us like, I guess, middle of our first year, right? Four years ago, that would have been 2014. So that's the year Swift came out. Is that right? WWDC yes, exactly. 2014. Yeah. 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 So that means that uh, that's when I started working for Ray. I always joke that um, Swift came out and Ray is there at WWDC and he's like, oh, crap, we got to like throw out the site now and start over now, you know? <laughs> flip the table over and redo this whole site. And so I think he emailed me from WWDC saying like, hey, do you want to come work for us full time? Because we're going to need somebody to like get into this Swift thing and help us move the site over and all of that. All of that. And so that would have been June. And I said, yes. And so I would, I had been doing a uh, consulting and freelance work at the time. And so I guess four years ago, exactly, like in August, I would have been winding down the freelance work. I think I officially closed all that stuff down by like September. So I would have been probably working most of the time for Ray, uh, moving a whole bunch of tutorials and whatnot to Swift and making videos. That's when I started doing that. And uh, yeah, winding down the freelance work is probably what I would have been doing. So I guess I was just on the tail end of being a uh, independent, I'm making air quotes here, independent um, freelancer, contractor, whatever you want to call it myself, and going to uh, work for the man, uh, Ray, as it were. Uh, so yeah, that was the start of that. I just started, I would have started with him full-time, full-time in like September-ish around there. So yeah. So Mark, you know, to. speaking of small worlds, um, yeah. you and I both worked for Diane Hall over at, at um, Two Life Media. We, we worked on the Two Life app together, right? Like I started right. it and you came in yep. and bailed us out and helped us out finish it off. Um, <laughs> yep. And then Diane and I kind of did all the polishing and stuff like that. But but did you know that Greg once worked with Diane yes. Hall? Yes. I was going to bring I that up. I didn't actually work with her directly, but I, my, uh, let's see, pretty much my first freelance client, not my first, my first really big, you know, important freelance client was a guy who worked for this little mini agency who worked on the website, I believe, for Two Magazine. Uh, mm. So they looked after their CMS because they had like online articles, which I'm sure you know, they had like online articles and whatnot. And it was mm-hmm. a Perl-based yep. CMS called Bricolage, which I think is still yeah, around. Bricolage, yeah. And um, I was a Perl guy. I had worked with uh, this guy on uh, other Perl stuff. And he was like, oh, we need some help with this and with other things. So I did work on the Two Magazine site. And then it wasn't until much, much later that I made the Tim connection. And um, So yeah. my initial job with, with Two Magazine was to get them off of Bricolage <laughs> and onto Joomla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it had its time. I mean, it was Perl-based. It was very... Um, I think Bricolage was the original CMS that ran, uh, I think it was Salon.com. Maybe. And so like this, like they made their own system and then decided, hey, this, you know, you know, and like the best spirit of things, they made the tool for themselves and they said, we should open source this and other people can use it. So they open sourced it and right. it did get a lot of use. A lot of really big sites used it, but it was very heavyweight kind of complicated CMS. And this was just around the time when like WordPress was able to uh, not quite do everything that it could, but it was sort of making its way up there and it was so much simpler to use and install. This thing was just crazy to set up properly. Yeah. Back then, um, I think Joomla and uh, Drupal were the, were the ones that were taking over for things like Bricola. Bricola. Bricola is really good. Also, that's one of those technologies yeah. where 
where you're like, this was like large and complicated, but it did a really good, it, it powered like some really, really, yeah, busy exactly, sites. Yeah. really, really busy sites. And so it did a really good, it was also a static site generator, which was kind of, yeah. uh, not, ra- I think it was rare at the time. Like WordPress was sort of dynamic and that was the big thing. Like everything is dynamic. We can change the style anytime. But Bricolage was a static generator, like movable type. If anybody remembers that, the sort yeah, of competitor yeah. to WordPress, which sort of didn't, it fell out of fashion. People were like, we want dynamic stuff and PHP. And nowadays static sites are back, which is great. I've always been a big fan of them. So I should go see what's go- what's up with Bricolage. What's going on there? I think that was actually the first open source project I got commit access to as well, because I was such a nice guy. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how good of a Perl programmer I was, but I was at least uh, active on the forums and all of that. <laughs> That's ah, cool. Good times. I should look those people up and uh, see how they're doing. I think I still follow a couple of them on Twitter. So I'll put a link to the Bricolage uh, website on here. And there's sure. a little quote from the guy I worked with, and it says, Bricolage is like a box of magic crayons, which is very true. Nice. Nice. Hmm. The last newsletter was published in 2011. That's so sad. That was probably about the, yeah. 2011, that was, yeah. So I think we started working with them. I, well, I started working with them at least two years before the iPad came out. Because it was the iPad that was um, what uh, Diane sort of in- instantly fell in love with. And that's what the phone call to me was, you know. I think I watched the keynote where, where Steve Jobs introduced the iPad. And then the next day, she literally called me and says, I have to be on the iPad on day one. And that was, hmm. and I hung up the phone and went, oh, okay, sure, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do that. And then I hung up and I went, now what do I do? And then uh, I found out about Voices That Matter in um, in Seattle. So I went out to, I flew out to Seattle to go to that conference at the Edgewater Hotel. And that was where we stayed. And then um, met a whole bunch of people, like, you know, early people like Daniel Jalkett and um, Mark Zara and... Oh, there's a guy who did uh, Core Data, Eric Buck, I think. You know, all all the big pl- early players were there, and then um, yeah, and then I just kept kept at it. And then one, I met one, met my friend Pat Salo there, who works for I think probably still works for Intel. And he said, you know, the real place to go is WWDC. So I basically bought a ticket for WWDC as soon as I could. And fortunately, back then you could actually buy a ticket and actually attend. <laughs> um, and then I went down to to there, and I think I met Mark because um, we were we had up we'd been doing yeah. So it was just after we released our first app. Um, so it was in the January, I guess, of of, March, of 2011. I met Mark at MacWorld, and I was sitting I was sitting right. in a really really piece of rubber rubber chicken um, at the table, and uh, Mark and his partner were being interviewed by I forgot the name Tap Touch Arcade Touch Arcade about their their upcoming app, which was um, Look Again, it right? Was, uh, look Again, yeah, Look Again. Yeah. So yeah. so I basically said to them, and I like I always tell the story. I, I didn't realize that in San Francisco you can't swing a cat without hitting a developer but um i just leaned over to them and said said to his his friend actually or his partner i said are you, are you guys developers and and then that's how we struck up a conversation i wasn't expecting to run into developers at macworld believe it or not because <laughs> uh, well macworld actually isn't really a developer no, kind not, of yeah. show anymore yeah. Yeah. it wasn't back i mean that was the last i think that was the last year of macworld because i think uh, apple pulled out then that year or the, or the year afterwards I right think they had so, one or two actually, years they, after they apple pulled out, pulled out the year before, but it still existed yeah. for a couple of years. That's yeah. true. I actually had a booth at, at Macworld a year, the year after. Not a full booth, but, you know, in the in the app, uh, I don't know what they call it, but there's an area of the floor where people just had stands, yeah, yeah. kiosks. 
guess is the word for it, uh, where you could demo your apps. And uh, yeah, so I, I actually, that was sort of the peak of my my indie time. Um, there's there's a video out there somewhere on the interwebs of me being interviewed by uh, App Advice, mm-hmm. uh, if you remember that site. I don't even know if they still exist, but they were one of the big app review sites. That was I was interviewed about uh, an app called Pokertini that I right. put yeah. out. Uh, so yeah, it's probably out there somewhere. Yeah, I remember those because I met, uh, is it Rich? I think for, I think his name is Rich, who the guy who wrote uh, BB Edit, because I met him there, because I was already a BB Edit user for web development at that point. Mm. Did you get this autograph on a BB Edit No, I got a sticker from him, actually. I have it here yeah. somewhere. It's, I see it every now and then, but yeah, I got a sticker from good. the yeah. BB Edit crowd. Yeah, they were. Li- I know where Marky's oh, little booth. App Advice does still exist. What's that? I just looked it up. App Advice does still exist. I just Googled know? App Advice Mark Rubin, though, and nothing comes up. <laughs> really? Uh, maybe it's no longer up there. Yeah, anymore. there's other know. Mark Rubins who are like a lawyer and other things, but I don't see. If I find the video, I will uh, put a link in there. Yeah, Mark Rubin's a actually pretty popular name. He's hard to find. It's a pretty common name. Yeah. Smapsoft reveals Wave Rave, an upcoming puzzle game involving waveforms. Is that it? I don't know. Pardon? Here, let me put this in the. Uh, let me put this in the. I'm gonna put this in the show notes here. Oh, I see it. I did Smapsoft instead for a video search. Oh yeah, is there? This is the video you're talking about, Mark. I Link in the show yet. notes. What, what do we have a video? It's like a demo though of the app. It's not oh. actually an interview. I don't think is it. Which one? Wait a minute. Where do you post? Which which notes? Which uh, place? In the the topic show notes, the podcast topics. Oh, oh there's multiple oh, articles. Nice this one is also just a video of the app. Yeah, this doesn't seem to be this doesn't seem to be the interview part. So I have a, I have a pictorial. Uh, oh no, not that one. Oh that yeah that that was kind of a low point. <laughs> Wave rave. That was a bad one. <laughs> yeah. What is the maximum number of MTJC hosts that have been in one place at the same time? Three. Well, let's put it this way, Mark. Have you ever, three has happened multiple Mark, times? Mark, have you ever met Tammy? No. I mean, have you met Tammy? You've met Tammy. Yes. Yeah, we were all yeah. Indie so it would, it would be at Indie Devstock. Oh, that would be four. Okay. okay. Indie Devstock. So there would have been four of us in the room because Tammy would have been there. You, me, and you and me and Jaime were, would be sitting there as well. Okay. So four. Yep. All right. Well, no, that's five because I think Joe Chaplinski was there. Here it is. I found it. <laughs> right. Greg. Uh, that's true. We did so, the uh, crossover episode. No, but I'm saying that that that's true. Yeah, actually, we were actually on the show together, you know, all four of us, right? But um, but I was going to say just in the room, because Joe Trapinski was there too, and he's been a guest on our show a couple of times, right? Has he been a guest so, on the show? Yeah, we, the well, we did the crossover episodes? episode, in, uh, in, okay. which we published as, as our first live one. And then last year, was it last year at 360i Dev, we did an episode with Gene McDonald, Tammy, Joe, and, and Jaime and I. Mm, okay. So but we were for, hoping to be able to do that again. Um, core, core team hosts, let's say, have Tim, Jaime, and Mark been in the same room together? Yeah. I just sent uh, yeah. just yeah. a picture in, in I, the I still don't see any pictures, so it's in the show notes? as far as I'm concerned. Oh, in the show notes. All right. Yeah. There's so many places. All right. Wow. Looking so yeah, grumpy to be in the same room together. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> We're not sitting at the same row. You know what I'm saying? This is that, awesome. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what talk we were at that we were so... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to point fingers, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably certain I know which one it is because it's, it's sparking off memories here. But I'm, I'm actually noticing that that was the year that I Beacons was like a huge thing because yeah. look at the the thing on your badge, Mark. I remember we're all carrying that. That's right. That. Yeah, we had that. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah, Mark is so was... grumpy. He has to have his, have an eye beacon on his badge, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wasn't necessarily grumpy. I just always kind of look that way. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there, there's four pictures there, and uh, yeah. All right. So four more years. Is that four right, Tim? Four more years. Yeah. Four more least, years. Well, I don't know. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So I just posted another another um, picture in the. Uh, you weren't there for this one, uh, Greg. But that's uh, us doing the podcast live last year. Are you doing that again this year? Uh, well, I'm in Mark are not going to be coming, so uh, we'll probably we'll do an episode while I'm there. But uh, although Wednesday's a travel day for me, mind you, I'll have Wednesday oh. evening. Wednesday are evening. Are you heading back on Wednesday? Where, where are you going? No, it's oh, so wait a minute. Yeah, no, I'm heading back on Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, hmm, who knows? We'll see. Okay. Maybe we'll do a best of or something. Clip show. <laughs> clip show. Yeah. yeah. I've often wondered about how to do that, but I can never figure out what what um, clips we want to include. You know, I just want a super cut of you know, time I'm saying how's it going or something like that, two hundred times, <laughs> two hundred seven times. That's really what I want. See, this will be good because now we can also simultaneously get the truth for how many times I've actually shown up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, and I, I have been meaning to do that. I have been meaning to just like sit through when I'm doing nothing and just just plow through the first you know minute or so of each episode. Yeah, and, and I get did a rough that, cut, actually. right? Because it's like you know there are times where maybe I was late and so I had to show up later, so I don't necessarily get introduced in the intro. But those are far and few mm, between compared I to the. Uh, I don't remember stats. an episode like that. I think whenever that happens, Tim always gets you guys to record the intro again, so it sounds good. Maybe I can't maybe. imagine the time where you didn't say hello at the beginning, but you. Yeah. Still showed up later. Like I, I feel like I've heard before. Tim re-record the intro part at least, but uh, maybe I'll write a script, extract the first minute of every show, and I'll go and listen, and I'll make a make a little clip. Well, you could do that, or you could just go over to the to the site where I think Mark and I may at least have logins to the Fireside site because that's what I did. I went back and I listened to the first. Like you can you can cl- click on the the clip and listen to it right there on the on the site. Mm. And I well, went. I want to download them all, and I want to you know edit them and make a little remix or something. So well, I'm just got them on my all list too as well. I'll put them on my list. So yeah, Tim. So if you see like a 206 episode sudden burst <laughs> coming from the San Francisco, that's yeah. me going back and downloading up all the episodes again. Maybe I'll do like the first 50, and I'll do you know I'll come up with little collections 50 at a time, maybe. Yeah, because when I moved over to to Fireside, I had to go through each episode. I had to go through every episode and and uh, put them in. So there's 14 pages of, of episodes here, and I think somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, so it starts with a number one. And I went through each one. And and, and I and I have to go through each episode and, and mark down which which host like there's a checkbox there for each host to mark when when they're on the show and when they're not right sort of thing. There were a couple of episodes where it's just me and Aaron right, so I don't know where you guys were. <laughs> well, I missed a lot of shows in uh, first half of 2015 because of the LA because I was going to LA a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. All right, should we get to the picks? Because I have a lot for the oh, anniversary episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do our picks uh, for <laughs> for the fourth year in a row, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go around the table and look at our picks. So, or as I used to say, go around the table as we usually do. You even said that in a while, actually. I know. I, I missed that. Now that I'm I think, to, I, I haven't thought about it, but yeah, you should you should do that. I'm trying to I'm trying to mix it up a bit here. So, okay. all right. So my first pick is actually a pretty simple one, and it has to. Well, so we we you know because we support we because uh, we have a legacy app, we have to support multiple OSs back, right? So we can't and we can't necessarily jump into the latest version of Xcode. We do load it up and try it out, and you know we have Xcode 10 and things like that loaded up to, to test things and we test different devices and stuff like that but so we still have to support older, older OSs so we get and because of our builds our C our continuous integration process we're actually 
a couple of versions behind in Xcode. So um, it's always a challenge to go, like, we can't just go to the Mac App Store and download Xcode because Apple will only ever deliver you the latest version of Xcode, right? So, and you can go to the More Downloads page on the developer site. At the very, very bottom, there's like a link that doesn't even look like a link. It says More Downloads. And you go behind there and you can pick the, the version of Xcode that you want to install or various other, you know, command line tools or what have you, right? So you can get 9.41 or you can get 9.4 or 9.3 or 9.2, you know, kind of thing, or even back to 8, uh, Xcode 8.3 or whatever. But Felix Krauss, the person who brought us Fastlane, has posted uh, uh, a GitHub repository, which he started three years ago, it looks like, um, which basically allows you to, it's called Xcode install, and it's uh, basically a a command line tool using, uh, um, I guess, Ruby, because it's a gem. And you can decide which Xcode you want to install on the command line. And it's kind of a handy little tool. I haven't tried it out yet myself, but if you want to install, like, you know, blah, blah, blah version of Xcode, you just type in, you know, Xcode uh, version and blah, 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 and, and it'll it'll go off to the command line. It'll go on the command line, log you into Apple's site, and pull down the version of Xcode that you want to, want to install. So kind of a handy little tool. It's my pick for this week. So I don't know if you guys have looked at that or not. I saw it go by in the Twitter, yes. Yeah, it sounds interesting because it's always a hassle. I always forget where to go find, you know, older versions. Like, oh, look, Xcode, you know, 9.4.1 came out and I'm on 9.4, so I need to go find, you know, kind of do the double dance. One, get the newer one, and two, make sure I actually have the older ones. So if I need to go back for compatibility reasons, I still can. And it sounds like this will make this a whole lot easier to do. Mm -hmm. So it looks like all you have to do is is get your credentials set up and use the credentials manager feature of Fastlane. And there's something here about this uh, transitive dependency on a gem, but if we have a compiler, which we certainly do, should be should be fine. Cool. Yeah. Have you guys used Fastlane at all? I we use it for work, so I use it all the time. Yeah. Okay. And you use it for like publishing to the iTunes Store and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, that is what we use it for. Yes. What else do okay. people use it for? Cool. All right. Yeah. We're we're looking at it. I've, I've I've seen you know some things talked about. People have talked about it in in other talks and things like that. So curious about it. Mm, very handy. Uh, sometimes it has its issues though, because you know it's based on undocumented or unsupported or whatever private APIs. Not oh, private okay. APIs like uh, sorry, private like web. Um, API points, I mean, um, that they just kind of reverse engineer and figure out. So sometimes there are some issues with it. That seems pretty rare these days, though. Um, but yeah, all around, thumbs up. I also think they were going to update to use the new official APIs for... I believe they're Apple not. Tracking. I saw... A oh, they're not Felix, actually going to update, really? Well, no. Felix actually posted a... Not recently, but he filed a radar saying, like, the official API, making air quotes here, has, like, supports, I don't know, like 10% of the features that Fastlane uses. And so if they support it, then they have to still use the existing, you know, undocumented APIs for the other 90%. And then you have to log in twice. You have to log in once with your credentials to do it the proper way, but then you still have to put in your password to do the other stuff. So uh, I'll, I'll dig up the radar that he he put on open radar as well, so you can uh, read all about it. So I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are, can hear the noise here, but the fifth host of the Morgan Jesco podcast has just showed up. Hi, Mac. Mac wants to go out and go pee. What do you say, Mac? We go outside? Outside? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take Mac outside while Jaime does his pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Tammy might be offended by the fact that you just called Mac the fifth host. I'm the, actually a little offended, so yeah. He's the, fifth, he's the official <laughs> fifth host. He's been the fifth host since year one. Don't you remember? Jaime, surely you remember. Uh, one, two, three. It was y- four of us yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I, I guess so. <laughs> that's, that's actually right. <laughs> 
So, uh, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do, and uh, it's sort of weird because it almost seems like a joke, but having used it a little bit, it seems somewhat reasonable, at least as far as uh, joke sort of things go. Um, So this is called Away Mode, and it's a skill for your Amazon Echo that is supposed to, you know, on the tin they say, well, it's supposed to simulate, you know, like the sounds of people being in your house, you know, the conversation going on. So if you need to leave the house for roughly about an hour or so, um, and you're, you're worried about about people taking that opportunity to come in and steal your stuff. Uh, you can enable this skill and it will randomly select one of how many different one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like eight different audio uh, streams to, or uh, audio files to play um, like a book club meeting or a couple breaking up while they're watching TV or uh, this one gets close to home. Uh, two average guys brainstorm what's unique about themselves so they could start a podcast about it. I like and, it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you listen to it, it it's it's done by um I saw this somewhere. I don't think it's on the page. Uh, it's done by Hippo, which is um, like an insurance sort of thing for homeowners. And so that's sort of like their play into it, right? It, it's done by folks who you know have done some sort of uh, comedy writing. So it's got that sort of uh, skit-like feel to it if you listen to the actual audio itself. But the point is for it to sound like semi-realistic audio, right? Like uh, a stay-at-home mom who just can't deal anymore. Or um, a mom walks the daughter through assembling um, an Ikea dresser over the phone. So it's actually kind of a weird oddity, but at the same time, sort of like, yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, back in the day, you know, if we're going to leave for a while, my parents might have left the radio on or left the TV on kind of loud so that Mm. it sort of sounds like there is activity in the house. And this is sort of the 2018 version of that. Is Alexa really that loud that you can hear it outside the house? You can, you can crank it up really loud. I I don't have mine ever that loud, but you, you really could, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's obviously going to vary like the Amazon Echo Dots are, are not quite as loud because they're just tiny little cans, like the little, you know, like tuna can sort of size. But something, you know, bigger like the the full-size Echo or the Echo Show that has, you know, the bigger booming speakers can get pretty loud. Okay. So, Greg, do you have any picks for us? I do. I have three picks, four articles, sort of four links. Three picks, one for each anniversary celebrated. So I got two right. sort of code picks. One is a thing called Dark Code, which is a, um, <laughs> I don't know, super kernel hack plugin thing from uh, Adam Bell who's also Canadian. There's a Canadian shout out for him. And mm. uh, <laughs> it's a little plug-in tweak thing so that if you're using uh, macOS Mojave, then Xcode will always be in dark mode, even though the rest of the system isn't. So I think he had Ooh. a tweet or something. It's not in here. Yeah, there's, there's a link to it in his GitHub here, where he was saying that he wishes that the dark mode selection was sort of per app, not system-wide, because sometimes he likes, likes the finder to be in normal mode, but he likes some apps like text editors to be in dark mode. So this is a total hack, which is just kind of interesting i think for like academic reasons i'm not sure you should actually do it because you have to turn off um whatever that protection is you have to like boot into single user mode and turn off the you know apple security checks or whatever <laughs> anyway you can have a look at like this and it's just probably a, something like that it's the even lower one um sip which i forget what it stands system integrity prote- protection i think that you have to disable yeah that's what it is uh, yeah. anyway you should probably yeah. not do it but if you're just curious about how this stuff works or you want to try it out then uh, it's this little it's built as an xcode plugin i think that will force just xcode to always be in dark mode. It's just an interesting little hack kind of thing if you're interested in that. 
Uh, so that's the first pick. Cool. The second pick is also a code-related thing. It's a uh, open-source UI activity view controller subclass from Tim Johnson, formerly of Pinterest, now works at Instagram. No overlap, though. We were, we never worked there at the same time, unfortunately. And um, UI activity view controller is used for like the share sheet if you have sharing functionality in your app. So it pops up the little bottom sheet with all the different apps that you have with share extensions and whatnot. And um, I think one of the problems with that is you have to sometimes give different types to different apps. That's a horrible way to explain it. But I remember I was working on a photo app that did sharing and we wanted to share to Instagram. But Instagram has like a particular UTI that you have to give it. Otherwise, it won't work. And he gives the example of if you're sharing text, for example, and you put it in text edit, it's just text. But if you want to share it as email, then he wanted to provide it as like styled, nice, rich text, which um, maybe if you're familiar with like pasteboard, sorry, I should call it a clipboard API, you can sort of have a rich text representation and a plain text representation, but the share sheet on iOS does not support that kind of thing. So anyway, this is a subclass of Activity View Controller that has these sort of customization points. So you can say, if it's Twitter, then do this, but anything else, do this. And if it's this particular app, then no, 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 don't share that photo, share this other photo. He gives the example, for example, if you share to Snapchat, then you can have your code make a portrait, like a 9 by 16 image appropriate for sharing to Snapchat, whereas if you pick Facebook, it would do the normal square image or whatever. So it's sort of a nice customization point to doing cool. UI activity view controller customization, which can be a bit of a pain. So here's an open source project that does it for you. And then my final pick is this blog post I saw come by on Slack, a different Slack, about uh, elastic tab stops. We were joking before the show started about spaces versus, or I forget when we were joking about it, but spaces versus tabs. So this is was an interesting thing that came that uh, came by my view called elastic tab stops. So I have a link to the original blog post from, uh, I think, a long time ago. Um, 2006, last updated 2017. So it just has the introduction to what the heck that means, uh, which is kind of difficult to explain in an audio medium. So I would just say, click on the thing. It'll help you align things better is the, the nice way to put it. I have a second link to a GitHub page to a Visual Studio plugin that gives you elastic tab stops. And this second link to the GitHub has a really good animated GIF showing exactly what it does. So if you have a bunch of properties, if, if you're writing Swift, you have a bunch of properties and you put a comment next to each property to say what it does and you like line up the comments so they all line up for all of your 10 properties. But then if you rename a property to give it a big name, it's like, oh no, all my comments don't align and I have to like manually shift them over. So if you have elastic tab stops, they will all move left and right and sort of automatically align themselves if you're the kind of, if you have the kind of programming style where you do that kind of thing. So it's an interesting alternative, although it uses spaces and I don't really, or sorry, it uses tabs. I don't really like tabs, but this is probably tabs done right if you do like tabs. Anyway, just an interesting thing that Mm -hmm. came across my desk. So check it out. Happy anniversary, Tim. Hi, man. Mark. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting in this article, it mentions um, Smalltalk. Is is Smalltalk still out there? Because I saw somebody tweeting that they were were available for Smalltalk development and I wasn't sure if that was a joke. It's (laughs) definitely still out there. I don't know how much production code there is in Smalltalk, to be honest but um, it's definitely still a thing. I think the Smalltalk book, uh, what's called Effective Smalltalk, is, I think is still the best guide to like learn about um, object-oriented programming and sort of not low level, mm. but concepts, the general concepts around it. Because I think Smalltalk is, I don't know if it's officially, but it was like, if not the first, one of the first sort of forays into object-oriented programming, maybe the first one that really took off. Someone's going to write angry emails saying some other obscure language was the first. Anyway, it was a very early <laughs> yeah, I one. Think, I, 
not sure saying it really took off is even fair. <laughs> well, you know, it was like the first one that sort of took off. It was, it was yeah. that yeah. really so had a lot of underlying object-oriented concepts. So that book, I think, is still a really good one. And I know that Objective C, which we all know and love, sort of took C plus small talky concepts yeah. and came up with this object-oriented I, as I recall, that we all use. As I recall, um, either Objective C and Java sporked off, forked off at the same time from the same source, or it was small talk was the object-oriented version of on top of C. So believe, Java actually yeah. came, came later. So C++ and, and Objective-C actually both got started roughly around the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, I think. And were both uh, yeah. object layers, object-oriented layers on top of C. But Java was, was years later, actually. I think Java, they say, Java kind of took off from C++. They said, oh, let's make C++ a little friendlier. Yeah. Whereas Objective-C yeah. yeah. was like, let's do it how Smalltalk did it. Let's make it angry and put brackets in it. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. That's the mm-hmm. story I've heard, at least. But uh, yeah, small talk, yeah. good stuff there. Yeah, it used to be one of the slides I used to talk about when first teaching people iOS back in the day. So going through the whole small talk and evolution, and you now Apple adopted it, and then, or sorry, I guess Next was really the ones who adopted it and brought it over to Apple, right? Because I remember when I first started development right. in Mac, yeah. it was all in C, right? Mm, yeah, you know, you had the yeah. Mac toolbox. Yeah, yeah no, Ap- Apple never did Objective C until they acquired Next. Right. Yeah. right. So OS ten was was the introduction for Apple to Objective C. Mm. Right. It seems like it was way longer than, uh, way older than that, but uh, not not for Apple. Yeah, yeah. As even I think you guys pointed out, like Objective C, or sorry, not Objective C. Um, Mac OS ten is like wait, 18, 17 years old or something like that, because it was like around two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah. So it is pretty old. Uh, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had the beta in nineteen ninety nine. That's right. So yeah, I remember installing years. the uh, the beta on my Mac and regretting it. Really? Oh, <laughs> it was pretty well, slow because it was it, it was really slow. It was it barely worked. It, it was kind of sad. But it had aqua. You know. But it got better. It got better. It had the little jelly buttons and stuff like that, right? Yeah. No, I was running it on yeah. a Wall Street um, G3 back then. Oh, the, I think I had a two gigabyte hard drive, which is so it was really painful. You had to have a, at least a gigabyte of space for it, if I remember correctly. Look how far we've come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we've, now we're getting, what, four terabyte SSD drives in our Macs? <laughs> <laughs> and they're more expensive than the actual Mac? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Well, I guess that's it for yet another week. Yet another four years. Yeah. Another... You didn't ask me if I had a pick, Oh, Tim. do you have a pick, Mark? No. Oh, okay. Thanks, Mark. Um, <laughs> thanks for nothing, as usual. Mark, Mark's in charge of nothing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get a hold of you during the week or whenever, <laughs> how can they do that on the interwebs? Yes, only only between my office hours of 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All righty then. And uh, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, Mark R at Smapsoft.com. And, and can they tweet you at all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can tweet at me at Smapsoft. And yeah. Maybe, so it's been four years. Jaime and I, I think, and Aaron, Jaime and Aaron and I had a, had a challenge to try and get Mark to tweet over the last four years. I know you did. And we have not been successful yet. We've come close. Yeah. We've come close. No, you, you never came that close. <laughs> <laughs> well, we came close to the point where we could tweet something at Smapsoft and you would respond to us on slack so yeah that, that that's right. that's at least some movement anyway well only only because i i get uh, emails saying that somebody tweeted something to me yeah i was gonna say i'll bet mark forgot the password and that's why he doesn't tweet oh that's mm. true you probably i for sure don't remember the password but it's in my keychain probably, so. probably, probably hasn't enabled two-factor authentic- you better get two-factor authentication enabled on that twitter account soon mark mm. yeah so, yeah because all, all the cool kids are doing it now 
Yeah. All right, Greg, if people want to get in touch with you, how would you do that? They should uh, come find me in person here in San Francisco at a local meetup right. or, uh, sure. you know, otherwise, wandering around the city. Oh, you know what? I just realized I pasted the picture into the wrong slack. I pasted it into a roundabout slack. That's why I couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, trying to get... Uh, t- Tammy wasn't feeling very well today. She was going to come and join us, but, uh, yeah, she was not feeling well. So I'm sure she sends her Wait, best wishes. Hmm? All right. So, yeah, my name is Timitra. I am still T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. That's the best way to get a hold of me. So until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find out details on how to help us out on the website, mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Now stick around for the after show, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have the tweet where I tweeted the tweet. You tweeted the tweet. I'll post. Um, I'll post that after yours. Well, here, here's when replying to the three of us. So yeah, this, this is where it goes. Yeah. So Tim Touchbar, where you corrected me and said, no, no, not that. Oh right, because you were like, oh yeah, I did that already. And you said, watch the video. I'm like, I watched the video. Like, you think I would reply and not watch the video? Come on. How dare you? And then it was like, yes. <sighs> then that's why I was like, yes, these videos are good because it's like hard to describe <laughs> when you're talking. Yeah. And you really yeah. need to see it. So and I it is pretty cool. Once, once you pointed it out, it was like, wow, that's neat. Never, I, you know, and. So Somebody said they stumbled across that, or I think it was um, um, Swifty McSwiftface said that he um, just stumbled on it by accident, right? Did we post? We both pasted the same link in here. Um, what are the odds? Yes, we did. I'm going to get rid of one of them. Well, that is the tweet, so the odds are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right, so how do we want to do this show? Is this the show? Fourth, huh? Is this the show? This is the fourth anniversary, Mark. Yeah, I know. Oh, he's being facetious. 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 Hella facetious. Hella facetious. So I... I always took hello to mean something is extremely positive. I think it just really? means extremely yeah, hella good. Like you could yeah. say that was hella crappy, you know? Yeah. 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 But would you? Um, I don't know. The kids today. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've always heard the context of kids today. Yeah. Uh, the under 50 crowding. Yeah, I feel like I've heard like hella <laughs> exactly. annoying and that kind of thing before. So I think yeah. it just yeah, maybe, vary. maybe, I guess. Yeah. I just, but yes, generally, yeah, I, I think I just, it is a good thing. You would use it in good context. I agree with that. I meant it as like, mm-hmm. as in, you know, like gigantic, like a, like a modifier to make something seem larger. Yeah. Than, I mean, I, th- I, th- yeah. I think so you meant you like would hell of a commute. Hell long commute. Hell long. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. that could work, I guess. But the point is, you guys did understand my intention. <laughs>
And as we so, know, communication is all about communicating all meaning. And we did words. get your meaning. Yes, yes. I, I, I responded with a thank you to say thank you for using our local Northern California slang. So, so, so kids, this is analogous to code reviews because <laughs> this the kind of stuff that you see between senior developers. <laughs> and you use spaces whether, of ta- ta- whether the, yeah. the magic number should be stored in. If it's in scope, should it be in within the curly braces or should we move it out to the top so it can be easier to find? And, you know, whether the variable name should come before or after. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then whether it's like Egyptian-style braces or crab braces, as Hollywood likes to call them. Mm. Right. Don't get us started on tabs versus spaces. Well, everyone knows spaces is the one true way to indent your code. So there's really? not anything to discuss. But is it five really? spaces or two spaces? Three spaces, of course. We're not animals. Three spaces. Three, two. Anyway, um, it's funny, you know, like coming from the publishing world, spaces for formatting text are horrible. You know, where a single tab character is easier, easier to, 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 you know, find and get rid of and so on and so forth. So I carry that over Here, from... Here's one that uh, will show how old or not old you are. Uh-huh. After a period, one Double space, space. Or two oh, space. Yeah. Oh, man. But do you know why, Mark? Do you know why we did that? Um, some typesetting thing? <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a typesetting. It was actually typewriting. It was like a, it was a convention when you were using a typewriter, right? Because okay. we didn't yeah. have, we didn't have, um, it was basically like you didn't have, it was before the select, select, was it called a selectric, select set typewriter? Remember the one with the ball? Yep. That, and it could do, it could do, um, and you could do, and it was one Daisy Wheel printers that had the ability to do kerning on characters. Whereas in the old days, you had fixed char- character spaces between each character because you just had a hammer that would hammer down the thing, right? Yeah. And the convention was to be two, two spaces after a period to separate out the space to, to make it visually noticeable that there was end of a sentence, right? But we all agree yeah, that one space is the way to do it in the modern era. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah, totally. Right. In word processing, for right. sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know. But, but, I still use two and get complained about. You, you? should get complained oh. about because Why? it's like when people write, uh, like in the days of the semantic web or something like that, and people would like write and they'd use font tags and they use break tags to do lots of spacing. And they're like, I want more spacing in between my headers. And they use break tags, like five of them. And they say, no, put like an H tag and then use the style sheet to say, I want this much spacing after my header, for example. Don't like yeah. manually code it in, right? Because then if you want to change it later, you can't. So this is the same thing. If you're like, I want to separate my sentences, that's great. Put the space. And if you want more space between your sentences, then you should you style, style the sentence to have more space. So you can still have it look like you like with like lots of space between sentences, but you shouldn't encode that into the, you know, markup. And I guess if it's HTML, you can put five spaces. It, does, it all looks the same. It doesn't matter. Um, so maybe in that sense, it's like, who cares? But, you know, that's what you should do one space. As so, Tim said, so in the word processing era, that, that makes the most sense. Exactly. I agree. Now, the other thing, too, was that um, and I maybe Mark remembers this from, from school assignments and stuff like that. Do you remember you, have, you used to have, always have to use double spacing? Yes. Mm. Right. You couldn't just have a... I think it was so the teacher could write comments or something in between the, the sentences or something, but I don't know. I, could, I always hated that. I thought it was just easier to read because it is easier to read. Although double is too much, but I think when I write now, I do like one and a half one space and like a word because yeah. that just so, looks yeah. better. Because one so, space it looks too crowded to me. Yeah, you need a little so bit of... So to further subdivide the, uh, the, the group here between those of us who are, you know, older than others. Um, do you, have you guys ever used carbon paper? Yeah. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've yeah. used carbonless, carbonless paper, even. The more modern equivalent. How about, how about do you, m- do you remember Mimeograph you remember? machines? Yeah, Mimeograph, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. That's, beyond, that's beyond me. I've heard there's a crank involved. That's all I know about Mimeograph. There's a crank and yeah. blue paper. Yeah. That's, that's and, all and I know. And the smell was amazing. Yeah, the smell was great. What, <laughs> used to get, what were dittos <laughs> made from? Was that the Mimeograph or is that some altogether different thing? Dittos? Yeah. I remember were, ditto like, being a thing when I was pretty young until uh, Xerox, I guess, took over for the copy. 
up yours. So the other day we were cleaning house and, and we came across a bunch of old Mac World articles that I had kept on, on starting programming. And it was a whole series they did on, on learning C on the Mac, right? And they, they uh, Christopher Breen or something like that were, were producing this. And, and they were stored, Mark, in a duo tang. Ooh, I remember those. Is that a Canadian <laughs> thing, though, Tim? I think that's a Canadian thing. Is it? Oh. I think, it's, I think so. Whatever they call duo tangs in the States. I think that's like a brand name and that just kind of took over. I don't know what the generic word for oh. it. It's like a folder, but with a three-hole punch support. So it's like, imagine a folder, like two heavy pieces of paper. It was paper. a cover. It was like a cover, yeah. Two heavy pieces of paper, and then there were three little... Um, Oh yeah, with the metal, metal things, and, and the you thing put the paper in, and then you flatten the out the metal. You flatten? Yeah. No, no, not the yeah, slide, yeah, yeah, yeah. not the slide. Yeah. But it's three separate little metal things that you put the paper onto with the holes, and then the metal splits right. into two, sort of, and you flatten it, and that holds the pages together. Right. Yeah. There was the other thing uh, that was the long thing with this. Anyway, what were those called, yeah, Mark? What do you call slides. those? Uh, just a binder. Exercise binder. Yeah. A, bi- a binder is yeah. the thing with the three rings that you open and close, though, right? This is like. So here's a question for Greg, and this is a totally Canadian. Thing. Remember, remember, you had the exercise books when you were kids. Like you'd get your your math book, and you'd have like it was like a cardboard cover, and you had like you know lined paper or graph paper on the inside, uh, yes. stapled on the edge. Sure. And in Canada, yeah. we call those cahiers. Uh, yeah. Yes. Did you call them cahiers, Greg? Did I call them cahiers. Um, like no, yippee I think them, cahiers. No, that's yeah, the French. That's the French for a notebook is a cahier. Yeah, yeah. cahier. Um, yeah. I don't think we called them cahiers. No, I think we just called them notebooks. We always called them cahier, but then I started my school in, in Montreal, so. Well, I mean, when I was, in, I did French immersion, so in French we called them cahiers, and people call them that now. Like if you buy a fancy notebook, they'll say like, "Oh, an Arcaille model." It's like they're trying to be fancy. Really? I got a picture oh. here of a uh, up in the Slack. What Tim calls a duo tang. You you look at this and tell me what this is called. A I have two duo tangs upstairs. I can it go is get a them. a name brand for a paper folder made of cardstock paper binding oh, yeah. multiple sheets. Anyway, look at it and look at the little metal fixture there. Yeah. And you yeah. tell me so what you call I that. I don't think I've ever used one of those with the three no? metal independent little metal things. But you, you see, I always fold use the ones over. With, fold with over. like a single bar that goes across. Yes, I know what you're talking about with that. Well, you never oh, yeah, use yeah, one yeah, of that's these. That's a different type. That's a different no, type. I've okay. used one of these. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, I've used one of these for sure. So, you, what did you call them? I, mean. I don't think they had a particular name. Um, I'm I'm trying to think. You know, this this is quite appropriate because it's like back to school season uh, <laughs> yeah, for all true. the stores. Like, we got to go buy some paper and some Duotang. Yeah, it says Duotang is the brand name. Um, and in Canada, this is the word used to refer to any such folder regardless okay, so of the brand. I'm going to break with convention. How can I turn on my video here? I actually have a Kaye in my hand, or a, one of these duo tanks in my hand. You Paper should folder? be able to just start oh, video on the, on the Zoom. What are really? the ones with the ne- long the- metal slide called? Yeah, Mark, yeah, yeah. What do you call next those? to the mute button. Uh, I don't know. The folder with the long metal slide. Oh, right. The yeah. Long metal fast. <laughs> Google is helping <laughs> me out here. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, how can I do this? Oh, over here, start video. Okay. We'll see this. Mm-hmm. Mark, what? I posted See the picture. Thing? I think. Uh, which one are we looking at? Oh, over on here. my screen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. See this yeah. thing here? Yep. It bends like it's like yeah. soft metal. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah that's that's a duo tag. Duo tag. All right. <laughs> All right. Stopping video now. All right. And that's it. And scene. Four years in the books. Four more years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Four years. Long time. Yeah. I think we get to brag about it when we hit five, right? Well, you can brag about it like <laughs> four point two. Brag about it when we hit four. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Still doing pretty good. 
still organically number one, as far as I know. Have we looked lately? I haven't uh, looked in a couple of weeks, probably. Yeah, and Greg and, uh, was putting it. We you just saw that nice shout out from yeah. the, uh, one of those Lauren Swift podcasts. I think it was Lauren Swift. So I was going to say one of the Garrick's podcast network or whatever he's doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, um, I think it was Lauren Swift, and they shut down after 30 episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't listen to mm-hmm. it, but I just saw the show notes, and they said, here are some other podcasts to listen to, and uh, more than just code was, was listened there. So sorry to hear about the end of a podcast. Sounds like it was a good run, and uh, thanks for the shout out. Mm-hmm. What's with the Superman ice cream? Yeah, continuing this trend of, of Jaime finds interesting things to eat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a podcast is, right there. More than just right. eating. Yeah, this is... Um, I have the website here. Let me see if I can pull it up. This is one of the series of superhero ice creams that DC has put out in... Actually, I don't know who the partnership with. I actually don't know who the, the actual maker of the ice cream is. Carvel Ice Creams? Carvel? Oh, okay. Thank you. They have. I, I'm just. I'm guessing that was just Carvel and Marvel sound the same, right? <laughs> Here's a trivial trivia question, or not a question, but a trivia uh, point for you. Is the the Carvel Ice Cream Factory was in my hometown. That's why I said Carvel. <laughs> in Boston? In Framingham. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Are you Actually, from Framingham, Mark? Oh, another one of my yeah. clients that I worked with a long time ago, four years ago plus, was uh, based in Framingham. So I know the name very well. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. I just thought it would be funny if DC well, was produced by Carvel. Get it? No? Okay. Mm. Okay, carry on, Jaime. Sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> so there's three different flavors they have. They have the uh, Batman one that's uh, Dark Knight Brownie Bite, the Wonder Woman one that is Golden Lasso Twirl, and I chose the Superman one of Krypton Cookie Dough. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, they're they're pretty good flavors. Um, or at least the one I've tried is, is a pretty good flavor, so I assume the other ones are. So I chose the one that was like, yeah, I think I would like the Cookie Dough at this moment. Um, as it says here, it has um, red and gold cookie dough pieces and blue sprinkles. I think I got a picture of that, too. <laughs> and they make, like, a whole thing out of it, too, where... All right, so there's that. So why wasn't this your pick? I figured it was good after-show content. Oh, okay. Let right. me get some more picks. So Slack is a little bit slow, mm-hmm. but it should be sending the uh, shot of the uh, the ice cream itself, then the top of the box, which is, or the container, which is a, a really nice illustration of Superman. And then the thing where they seem to try to get you to, to buy multiples of each ice cream. So there's apparently some sort of like overarching story. Uh-huh. And, and if it comes through Slack here at any moment, you'll see the like two panel comic strip that is part one of what? Where's, where's my... Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, Slack is not doing what I want. What does it say? Part two of four. So you, they want you to buy the Superman ice cream like four times to see, you know, what exactly happens between him and Lex Luthor. And presumably the super, the uh, Batman and Wonder Woman ones are the same. So when did Lex Luthor learn how to fly? So if I had bought part one of four, <laughs> maybe I'd be able to answer that question, Tim. Oh, I see. That's how right. they get you with the end media res sort of style of like, oh man, what happened here? So for those of you <laughs> who don't have the show notes right in front of you, uh, Superman's flying around he's like hey this is kind of weird and then out of nowhere comes lex luther flying in looking uh, kind of interesting he's got sort of um I don't know, the, the art style sort of remind of his his outfit he's wearing it's a green a very dark green and purple sort of um almost like a blue beetle sort of look to his his design he just comes in and just sucker punches superman right in the face so you're going to keep the cart when you're done eating right you're not going to throw it out right because you know in in five ten years this will be worth some money like the empty carton yeah yeah you have to go find part 
part one, though, and you have to get three and four as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to clean this out and then, you know, make sure it doesn't get rancid over the next, you know, 20 yeah, years. Take off the bottom and, like, cut the seam and, like, flatten it out and frame it. That's what I would no, 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 no. you got to keep it whole. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. No one's going to want the car. Just want yeah. the art, I think. In fact, if you don't open it, leave the ice cream in there. Yeah, just leave it even in your more valuable. For four yeah. Years. Exactly. yeah, it might be more valuable. It'd be super rancid, but still. <laughs> I wonder how long ice cream takes no, to go bad in the freezer, though. I feel like it would last a while. I, s- I think it would last a while. I see yeah. stuff like this in trade shows all the time. Mm. At the, like the Comic-Cons and whatever, what have you. Yeah, funny you should say that I, I learned about this even existing as a thing, so I knew what to look for at the at the store because um, YouTuber Trisha Hershberger, who I've followed from her times at uh, SourceFed way back in the day, uh, she was at San Diego Comic-Con and she was doing a, actually a promotion thing with them where she was wearing her Wonder Woman suit. Oh, really? And, and giving out free free ice cream from the some sort of booth they had there. Nice. So, Mark, is this is the picture you pasted in here? Is this the, the, the original iPad? Yes. With the curvy, curvy, curver yeah. curvy sides? Yeah. And right, that huge bezel. Remember that thick bezel? Yeah, on the back? Yeah. yeah. No, no, on the, on the front, on the sides. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, you know, I don't remember it being that big until I look at it now, but it was like an inch wide. It was crazy. Yeah, a friend of mine bought my first iPad from me and, and still has it, so she's still rocking it. I still have mine somewhere, but haven't turned it on probably in five years. years. Yeah. I turned my uh, my uh, first iPad iPhone on a little while ago. I was looking for some hmm. to make some art for the show. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah. So what else is going on? Going to Albuquerque on Friday. Ooh, Albuquerque. What's in Albuquerque? A uh, friend of mine's getting married. Hmm. Second second marriage, second wedding. Yeah. Don't before. forget to Go turn left, day. Eh? Yeah. Well, it's before you get to Albuquerque. Right? Huh? Uh, no, I guess it's when you get there. You left at Albuquerque. Yeah. I yeah. forgot to. Tr- I, it shouldn't have turned left at Albuquerque. or forgot to turn left. Yeah. 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 When is three sixty i dev? Is that two weeks? Let me look at the calendar. It's uh, the twenty fourth to the 29th. We got one for two full weeks, and then it'll be 360i dev. All right. Are you going? Yeah, you're speaking, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I got the whole week off, so I'm looking forward. And then it's Labor Day weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, is that Labor Day weekend? Oh, even bonus. Yeah, I did this. Yep. I did the same thing. I took um, bro- uh, like a Friday and Monday off last week, and then, so then this weekend was our long weekend, our civic mm. holiday, and then, so basically I had a four-day week, and then a four-day week, and then a four-day week. I have I to remember to do that next year too. The conference is Monday to Thursday, Sunday to Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, I mean? Monday to Wednesday. Wednesday is the last day. Like Wednesday, no, actually Saturday. Saturday is really? the first is the workshop. Was the, yeah, okay. I thought Sunday was the workshop. Sorry? Sunday was the workshop, isn't it? Oh, okay, maybe maybe you're right. Yeah, it's four days anyway, right? So okay, that's, that's Sunday right. to yeah, I think Saturday is my travel day. Got it. I think I'm flying I'm out on down. Thursday. I'm staying that one more day. I won't have to have the. I won't be able to have the cool, uh, you know, dinner with the speakers and stuff. When is that anyway? I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> is that even a thing? The, yeah, it's on the um, the day before the the day of the workshop. I believe is the is the the speaker dinner. Oh, I didn't know that. I haven't heard anything. And then there's it. a reception as well. I think I think during the during because I remember I, I guess I have to look and see if Sam was in the picture. But that's where I met uh, Jean McDonald after all those many years. I'd seen her many times before, but we never actually spoke until mm, okay. last year. So looking forward to that. Still got to wrap up my talk, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to heading down there. Are you going to tell us what your talk is about? It's about concurrency. concurrency I'll tell all oh. four of you, all three of you at the same time. It's about concurrency. <laughs> that's a good analogy. To talk mm, over. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's it. There'll be a little live coding. I think. 
think. Uh, maybe some C, even. And, uh, yeah, it should mm. be fun. Cool. Coolio. Let's see. Where are you on the schedule? So you are, what, day one? I am right like? on Monday. I think uh, not after lunch, but like, or not immediately after lunch, but like two after lunch, I think. I think I'm at like three o'clock or something. So will we be falling asleep by that time or what? Uh, hopefully you will have fallen asleep at the talk after lunch and you'll be refreshed by the time I'm speaking. Right. 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 I believe uh, my friend Agnes is on Monday morning. And then I think our friend mm-hmm. Derek is on on the very last day. He's closing up the conference i think yeah i always miss Derek because i have to run off and catch a plane actually he's not he's uh maybe they moved his talk he's not there anymore uh as in not there no they period? moved him like... to the morning so he's uh wednesday morning now august 29th oh, cool in the morning so you can still catch first thing in the morning that's what, just what you need right a little debugging and some mako headers so uh something to wake mm-hmm. you up oh so they've moved well, last there. year I'm... last year they did as aziz ansari's talk was was pretty early too whose talk aziz ansari he did this he did a similar talk on on um wait isn't he the comedian? <laughs> I was yeah, going to say. So his I-Jaws or A-Jaws, I forget how it's pronounced. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. He's oh, okay. sorry. But yeah, I, I, I do that too. There's just like some names that are like so similar. Yeah. I was like, uh, wait a minute. Say like that again. Bill Paxton who, and Bill Pullman. He? Same thing. I do the same thing, even though I can visualize two totally different people. <laughs> See? See? Uh, Not just me. Mm, it's just you, actually. <laughs> okay, Sam. Okay, Sam's doing his, his uh, cool whatever happened at... Um, uh, yeah, okay. Joe Chaplinski is on uh, Tuesday afternoon, and uh, he's actually been in San Francisco for the last, um, I don't know, number of weeks, so I've actually run into him a few really? times. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Had a good number of New Yorkers visiting us here, so I feel like I should go pay them a visit, too, but uh, yeah, he's been around. Um, I wonder why they're yeah, around. Yeah. Uh, I think he's here for a contract or something, maybe a client. Um, I don't actually know what he's been up to these days, but I think it's for something like that. Right, right. Yeah, we got oh, Sam Mike there, Leesby. so uh, yeah, it'll be good. I'm looking forward Mike to it. Mike Lee's back. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Is he like out of hiding? No, he comes back every year. Oh, he does? Okay. Well, I haven't, yeah. been, I haven't been back in a long time, so... Oh, Ariel McKellie, he's the guy behind um, the analytics company. App Analytics is called, I think, right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, the App Annie, he's the other guy. Oh, Josh Muckles is the very last speaker. He did the keynote one year, I think. I think that was the year I was there. He was the indie-pocalypse guy, but he was surviving. Is that him? That yeah, because he, he'd moved to smaller, smaller digs. Yeah, he moved to a smaller town somewhere in the middle oh, of the okay. States. Cool. Ajaz and sorry. Okay, well, that's close enough. <laughs> no respect. Okay, no re- four years of no respect. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> uh huh. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you there, Tim. I haven't seen you in a while, I feel like. It's true. Well, it's not since the cows, man. Oh, uh, you're the mayor of the cows, too, I know this. Every time you check in on the I cows, know. I always like it, because I always uh, appreciate yes. I appreciate the effort you're putting into it. Well, that's exactly. We, we go for lunch, and we often pass by the cows, and I, and I think to myself, I better check in so Greg will know I'm thinking of him. Mm, I, I <laughs> always like it when I see it. Well, it's funny, because now all the all the kids are like at uh, summer camps and stuff, so you look out the window, and they're all like you know lounging on the cows, right? Mm. You know, normally during the year people don't lounge on the cows of course people no on respect. the show have no idea 